these kids. You are listening to the SDSU Basketball Podcast, hosted by Austin Tark and co-hosted with Paul Garrison, brought to you by the East Village Times. Hello, Aztec Nation. This is Austin Tark, part of this SDSU Basketball Podcast. Join once again with Paul Garrison, and today's a big day. We got a, a great, great person on the podcast with us, Aztec legend, Jordan Shackle. Jordan, how you doing? I'm good, guys. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Thank you for being here. You know, Aztec fans probably remember you best as being one of the best shooters in program history. And the last memory that the fans probably have of you is helping the team win the Mountain West regular season and conference championship. But since then, you've had a pretty busy last year pursuing your professional basketball aspirations. You played a chunk of your time with the G League Capital City Go-Go's, and you signed a two-way deal with the Washington Wizards. So what has this last year been like in Washington for you? Oh, man, I have nothing nothing but good things to say about my year last year. It was all kind of a blur starting from, uh, honestly, graduation. Um it's it's been it's been a blur and it's also felt like years at times, but it was it was good this year. I learned so much and I'm so thankful, um, you know, for everything that happened. Um, the G League was fun, man. There's a lot there's a lot of space out there on that floor, and um, it's a lot it's a lot more space than college, and it's a lot more fun, and it rewards like your skill level more than like how hard are you playing and you know, stuff like that. It's a different game, but I had a lot of fun this year. So before diving into the basketball fully, because you're kind of getting into some of the stuff we'd like to ask you about, um, but you're living on the other side of the continent, new city. Um, what do you do away from the game in the new city to just kind of acclimate yourself to being a professional? Um, that's a good question. Uh, last year, I didn't really do too much. You know, I go out you know, as a lot of guys do, they go out and have fun at night. But, um, man, I was I was kind of so busy that I really didn't have that much time to meet new people or do anything like that. But uh, I got I got to see some of the museums in D.C. The all the monuments and stuff are pretty cool, and um, just being able to tour, you know, play different teams on the East Coast and see cities out there, man, it just made me appreciate San Diego that much more. For real, I can't even explain how much I uh, fell in love with San Diego and even the whole state of California this year because I just saw all that stuff on the East Coast. Man, <laughs> and... We have it good. Always... I'll say that. We have it great. You'll always have San Diego as your home. Uh, so there, there are a lot of routes to professional basketball. Some, like your teammate Matt Mitchell, choose to play overseas, and others choose the G League. Why was playing in the G League the best choice for you? Um, I mean, I didn't want to go overseas. I didn't. I just didn't want to do that. Um, no, I just wanted to be in the NBA, and I just felt like the G League gave me the best shot. 
of doing that right now. And um, I just felt like at the start of last year, um, going to the Capital City Go-Go, because I knew that's what, where I was going to go, even though I signed the training camp deal. Everybody knows most of the time you're just going to play for the G League team. So I knew that going in. And, and I, had, I had talked to the coach beforehand, and um, I just felt like that was the best decision, the best spot. They really – over the phone, I could tell they valued me and, and what I brought to the table. And, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer for me. Yeah, I think overseas is uh, a lot less like California than maybe even the East Coast is over there, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, so you were, you were starting to get into some of the differences between the G league and like comparing to college. Could you just go into that a little bit more and um, how that suits your skill and your game a little bit better? Yeah, I think um, I remember, you know, playing, playing in college and the floor is more compact. You can camp in the paint on defense. There's no defensive three seconds. So um, it's a lot harder to make reads and make passes and, guys in the NBA and in G League get in the paint so easily and then guys have to converge on them from outside the paint. And so the reads are a lot easier. The defenders are already second late. Even though they're more athletic, they're a second late. And that just makes a big difference in, you know, making reads. It ends up being if you run your plays and you execute the way you're supposed to, you're, you're going to get an open shot at the next level. There's no, you know, you're not going to get locked up. I mean, you see guys get open shots all the time. It's just a matter of making them, knocking them down at the level that you're, you know, expected to. So I just like that a lot more. It suits my skill skill set being a shooter and not have to, you know, force my way into crowded paint with more athletic guys. Like I can, I can just, you know, play my game and get open. They scream for me, stuff like that. Well, we can – we can see you were succeeding in the G League, especially with the Go-Go's. I think you finished the year averaging 14 points a game. And the year you originally got called up to the Wizards for a little 10-day deal. But then as the season went on, you got your two-way contract with the Wizards. What was your reaction reaction to receiving that contract? Um, man, at first I just couldn't believe it, you know, because um, – it was at the end of the year and I had worked so hard and I felt like, I felt like, um, you know, I always believe in myself, but it's always different when, when you actually do see it come true. It's always like a moment of, wow, you know, I really did it. Um, all the work paid off for a reason. And, um, I knew that, well, when I was on my 10 day and I got in the game, I didn't score. So I was like, I knew that this time around, if I get in the game, like I got to score. <laughs> With some points on the board, I can't end the season uh, having not scored an NBA bucket. So it was cool to get in there. Uh, second to last game of the year, I believe, yeah. And do that so I could sleep good in the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but now take me back to the first one, the 10-day contract, man. Um, you know, I'm imagining that as a kid, when you were imagining your first NBA game, you didn't finish 0 for 6. Um so, I mean, just take us back to that first regular season game and just, like, what was that energy and that emotion like of that night? Um, let me see. Back, yeah, back to that night, I mean, um, I got in at the start of the fourth quarter, so I had sat um, for three quarters, and I was just like, I, you know, I had no idea when or if I was even going to go in that game. And... Um, you know, I was ready, but at the same time, I was like, wow, like, 
I'm coming off the bench cold, like, you know, whatever. Like, as long I want to just look at the film and be like, all right, I wasn't scared. Like, I'm, I can live with a missed shot, but just let it fly. Like, I know it's my first time, probably going to be, you know, nervous and just, you know, it's my first. It's like, I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself. So I was like, as long as I just go out there and, and let it fly and do my thing, like, I can live with the results. So I ended up going up out there and looking back, I don't think, I don't think I was nervous or scared of the moment. I just think that I missed shots. And I think that um, I was proud of myself that I just kept shooting. I remember I drove and I felt like I got hacked. I got fouled, I felt like, and they didn't call it. Um, but the rest probably just wanted to get out of there. But um, I was glad that I took those six shots because, you know, it always takes some time adjustment before, you know, get the hang of it and, I'm I'm glad that I went 0 for 6 and not like 0 for 2 and then stopped shooting because the next game I was I was able to score. Yeah, take us through that moment. Madison Square Garden, yeah. your first career jumper, top of the key. How surreal was that experience? Uh it was pretty cool. I mean, to give you guys even more of a backstory, um, we had played the night before in Toronto, our playoff game for the G League. Overtime game that we lost, we ended up losing in overtime by I think like a couple points. Uh, so I, and I played like, I played so hard. I wanted to win that game so bad. Like I, I wasn't even thinking about, oh, I could possibly get in the next day with the Wizards. Like I, I wanted to win. I wanted to win the G League championship. And so that game, like I played, I put my heart out on that game. I think I had like 21 or something and we barely lose and then fly back uh, to Washington and I got to be at the gym at like 2 p.m. So I didn't even really get to sleep that much. And knowing that I probably would get in and I was just like, I was just laughing to myself the whole day. Like, like, this is crazy. Like <laughs> I'm like exhausted, just lost a playoff game. Now I got to like play up. Like I was just playing 16U. Now I got to go play 17U against the big guys, and I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> we just lost, and this is my opportunity. So I'm just laughing to myself the whole time. I couldn't believe it. But this time, like, I knew I was going to score if I got in. Like, I was confident, and I felt like I got better, even in the two months or whatever. So same type of thing. I, I get in in the fourth quarter. Um, I missed my first three, and then I'm pretty sure I made my second one. And then um, I get fouled, go to the free throw line, and make my two free throws. And I just felt like more a part of the game. It was easier. And the starters were out there for the Knicks. Like, I was playing against Fortier and Alec Burks, and uh, Quickly was out there too. So it wasn't like – it wasn't – they hadn't put the um, – the other guys like me and yeah so I feel like I got a bucket win <laughs> when it counted that if you ask me no doubt man no doubt so now you have I mean you have a professional year under your belt um what is the focus of your off season? are you gonna be playing the summer league or how did it how does all that stuff work for you now yeah I'm I'm definitely gonna be playing in the summer league um you know my, I have a lot of goals for this season or for this off season. Obviously, everybody wants to get, like, faster and stronger and and all that stuff. But I feel like that comes as you just keep working. Um, but I really wanted to work on my finishing. Um, this year I had – I was a pretty good finisher with my right hand, but with my left hand I wasn't happy with it. Um, so I've already been working on that. Um, just being able to handle the ball against pressure and in different situations, being confident. 
um, which I also have been working on. And just playing against older guys during the summer um, and, you know, wherever I'm at, I think just learning from those guys, especially L.A. has a lot of good veteran guys that they're willing to, you know, mentor guys like myself. And I think it's just a blessing that that there's so many good basketball players that came out of L.A. and um, they're willing to help and they want to help and see young guys do better and, and not make the mistakes that they made. Um, and I, I want I wanted to get my I'm watching like Jordan Poole and these guys and and how they come off screens and how he was in the G League last year. And now he's, I mean, a superstar, really. For the for the Warriors, like we've never seen that before, but just seeing how he comes off screens and it's just automatic, just trying to get in and do that and just do it do it consistently this summer so that it'll just become it'll just become a habit for me next year. I love it. More about then, the um, go for it, awesome. Yeah, uh, tell me a little bit more about the older guys from LA, man, who are who are showing you some some of the things and things that that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, Guys like Pooh and Bobby Brown, um, who I'm sure a lot of people know of, uh, especially this year when we played G League Ignite and Pooh was on the team. Um, and just talking to him and trying to pick out his brain and, and ask him different questions. And, you know, I told him that I want to work out with him in, in L.A., you know, whatever, whenever I'm there. Um, but there's so many other guys. Those are just the ones that I know, but I know that, um, you know, different guys have different mentors that they look up to. And there's so many in different parts of the city, like especially all the NBA players that weren't, aren't even from L.A. that just go there to train in the offseason. Like it's uh, it's one of the best places to be for sure. You always had career aspirations of making the NBA, playing professionally. You've done it this year. But what now? What's the next goal? What are your career career aspirations from here? I just want to keep getting better and, um, you know, just see myself to the fullest potential. Um, I've already tasted a little bit, but I feel like I can be here to stay and just prove that mm, this year, next year, um, just keep doing this fun, man. Just, just uh, think back of all the times that I was, go to LA fitness at 5 a.m. with my dad in high school and looking at guys in the NBA, like, man, I just, I know how do they do it night in and night out so consistently. And, you know, now seeing it in person and being this close and just being, being this close to like doing it myself is, is just something that I can't uh, stop thinking about. And like, it just drives me because uh, it's really just been, me and my family on this journey, you know, nobody in my family played in professional sports, but um, I just, I've loved it from a kid. Uh, I've always believed in myself. My parents have always been there, you know, believing in me. They always encouraged me, always, you know, pushed me, always, you know, helped me do everything that I wanted to do. And, and so it's really just been us and we've had great help along the way, but I think it's sweeter knowing that we've really done this on our own and figured it out. And, you know, I, my dad didn't play in the NBA like a lot of these guys did, or he didn't play basketball. My mom, she played in college, but she played volleyball in college, but that's really it. So it's been really sweet. That's awesome. 
And then final NBA question for me. Uh, you mentioned you're watching Jordan Poole come off screens on the Warriors. Are you watching the playoffs? And do you have a finals prediction? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm watching the playoffs. So early on, um, I was telling everybody that I like Boston's chances to win it all, even against the Warriors, just because of uh, – I just didn't think they had any weaknesses, really. They have five guys on the court that can guard at all times. They have five guys on the court that can shoot threes at all times, and they have – except for maybe – I mean, Tice can even shoot them. Robert Williams, maybe not. But it just seems like if Tatum and Brown can play at the level they're supposed to, I think that they can do – I think that they should beat the Bucks without Middleton, and then I think that they should easily beat the the Heat. And then I don't see any – I think the Suns are going to choke, man. I, I don't know. It's hard to believe in them. I don't have anything against them, but it just feels like – I mean, what's the score of the game right now? Are they losing? I think it was it was close. I saw Mavs were up last time. We're, we'll let you get to this that game as soon as this podcast ends. Uh, they're up, they're up by three at a, a halftime. Hopefully, good finish. Um, I think definitely the Warriors and the and the Celtics. But that's the good thing about these playoffs. I mean, we don't we have no idea. I have no idea. Um, really, anything can happen, and that's like, I mean, as far back as I can remember, it's been like two best teams, and we know that they were gonna go to yep. the final. So this yep. is pretty cool. No doubt. Um. But turning our attention back to SDSU, um, is there anything you miss about being an Aztec other than the city of San Diego? <laughs> yeah, man, I miss the fans, the fan base, the amazing fans we had. Um, I miss, you know, the people, my, my guys at San Diego State, all the memories that we've made. I was actually just down there this weekend talking to – some of the guys playing them one-on-one um, just talking to my old roommate, AG and Nate and those guys. And just um, having been one year graduated, it, it makes me feel old a little bit, but, you know, coming back and seeing them and just wanting them to succeed and offering guidance, you know, wherever I can after this year of experience. And, you know, um, I just missed the, the good people of San Diego. I think there's a lot of good people out there. And um, I didn't take advantage of it when I, or take it for granted when I was there, but I definitely appreciate it a lot more now. Having been elsewhere and realizing, you know, how good we really have it. You, you said you spoke to Nate. Uh, he has a big decision coming up for him. Is there anything particular advice you gave him playing professional basketball? Yeah, I told him, um, you know, I told him just do what makes him, you know, whatever decision he can live with, because at the end of the day, he's going to have to live with it himself. Um, but I, I think Nate's going to be all right, whatever he does. Uh, we we're uh, we were playing one on one with Nate and it's so hard to score on him. He's he's uh, <laughs> he was the defensive player for a reason. And I got to see that up close and personal, especially. Um, we knew how good he was when, you know, my year when when I was a senior, but he just got so much better this last year, and it was just such a uh, – it was just so good to see because um, that's one of the people that I really, really just root for him and want to succeed in everything he does. We, uh, we talked to Matt Mitchell um, in December, 
and we asked him that same question, what do you miss about SDSU? Um, and, and he said it was Sergio Ibarra. Um, he said that, you know, over the time that he was at state, you know, Sergio just got to know his body, got to know the ins and outs and being able to do that and just said that it was um, kind of having to start over with very skilled people, but you're starting over. Um, mm-hmm. Have you had any kind of similar experiencing adjusting to some of the support staff, assistant coaches, et cetera, um, in your journey? And again, just having that appreciation for state. Um, I think we had, we had some really good trainers this year. I also tried to like get in there and do prehab work so that I, I don't get injured as much. Or if I do get hurt, it's like a soft tissue injury, not like a broken anything or a super bad sprain. So, but no, shout out to Sergio. I love Sergio. Um, he he would always make chocolate chip cookies for the staff and and not really the players, but we could always have one. And whenever I was hurt, I would always eat like two or three. His cookies were fire. But um, I think this year the staff we had, um, they're amazing. I always like, I always love and appreciate the staff when when their job is to take care of us, and they always do a good job. We've requested we've requested having Sergio on the uh, on, on the podcast. Now it seems like we got to make sure that it's in person. <laughs> Ask him to bring some of those cookies. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> definitely. Uh, is there a game or moment that you still remember from SDSU and think, "Wow, that was special"? And you can't say San Jose State. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm glad you said that. Um, for me, it's it's really the BYU game my junior year. Um, really nothing for me surpassed that even my senior year. Even though I had higher higher scoring games, I just felt that um, everything that we were going up against that game, the altitude, the fans, it was early in our season, maybe our third game, second game, I can't remember. Um, but that was like an early huge test for us. Down at halftime a little bit, I believe. Down the second half and then I just felt like, man, if I could make some shots, I could get us going a little bit. And I ended up making um, five for five threes in the, in the second half, I believe. And I think really none of my shots even touched the rim. And looking back, like I've never been uh, – or actually there was one game this year where I felt, you know, that hot um, in Toronto. But aside from that, those games don't come that often and they're super special. When they do come, especially in that type of environment, that moment, and looking back in the locker room, like, you know, I'm just thinking to myself, like, I know I know how hard that was to do and how rare that is. And it's not like, obviously, I'm confident in myself, but to 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 do that, I know especially. And I, I, I'll never forget that. Then you guys won 26 straight. That was one of that was yeah. the game that helped, helped keep that going. Yeah. Awesome time. We had a, a few of your uh, former teammates on the show, uh, Kate Alger, Tristan Rotten, Jared Barnett. Um, and, you know, they got to share us their stories and all the hard work that they do. But just from your perspective, what do those guys mean to the success of the team um, and just the, their role as Aztecs? Yeah, they mean a lot. Um, thankfully, all those guys were, were there when I was there. And, you know, they're, they're a big part in why we had a lot of success, too, just being there every day, bringing great energy, preparing us, um, both both uh, 
both J Red as we call him and Cade, um, really get buckets on the scout team. Like it's not uh, it's not fluky. Like they really get buckets. So when they get in the game, that's why we we go crazy because we know how, we're like, we see it every day in practice. We're like you better go get a get a bucket on them too because you've been killing us all week. Um, but yeah, those guys are just great great guys it's, it's a testament to the program and the guys that you know the coaching staff looks for um because everybody contributes to winning well let me ask you a follow-up on uh jay red uh i think it was tristan came on and said he has the best fashion on the team would you agree with that statement um <laughs> i'm gonna sound so old right now because i haven't even like I really don't even remember seeing him dressed. Like to me, to me, I can't I can't give it to him because I came into state with guys like Jeremy Hemsley, Fair. guys like Zylan, guys like Boog, uh, Jalen McDaniel. So to me, like those guys take the take the take the crown for me. I just can't give it to a young guy just yet. Like if I had to give it to somebody on the team, I would give it to AG. That's awesome. Um, That's awesome. Because AG has different styles, he can dress different type of looks, he can pull off, and like the versatility to me is what I look for. Jared said AG. That was his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then final one from us here: SCSU players, they're all about to start their off-season workouts. How important is this time away from their game, away from the game, for their development? Um, it's huge. It was huge for me just being able to um, lock in and really and really develop. I feel like in the summer um, you need that time away from the coaches, away from like not competition, but away from eyes on you every all day, every day. You need to be able to make mistakes, work on stuff, be able to go live and, you know, mess up three, four times in a row. You, you got to mess up to learn and to, and to get better. And so how, to have an environment where, you can make mistakes and you won't get taken out or you won't get um, subbed. I mean, some of these runs are kind of like that, but just having the time where you can play one-on-one and just refine what you do and just take your time, um, get your body stronger. I've already seen um, Keyshot and Lamont been playing with them both times I came back and um, – and I'm excited to see what they do next year. Both of them gotten so much better, and um, it really, it really, it really can set your career up for for a big jump if you really lock in in the summer. That's it from us. Uh, I will say, if I know you're so busy with the NBA, but if you're ever back at San Diego, come to a game. You could lead an I believe champ. Uh, the Aztec <laughs> fans would love you. Yeah, I definitely got to get back to San Diego sometime because especially I miss the fans my senior year. So I need to be I need to come back for sure. Um, Thank you, Jordan. It was great, man. Yeah, Yeah. thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate this. Well, a tremendous interview from Jordan Shackle. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, The San Diego State Basketball Podcast. The brand is growing. Uh, We're getting guys like Jordan Shackle to join us and give us an interview. We're really appreciative. Um, And I think fans are going to absolutely love that interview. And we're recording this a little late. 
And we were worried after he recorded it uh, <laughs> that he made an NBA finals prediction or at least a playoff prediction in there. We're thinking, oh, we got to pump this, this podcast out because what if he's wrong? Um, well, it turns out he was spot on. Uh, he says he, I think he had the Celtics in the finals, but he certainly had the Celtics beating the Bucks. Um, and then he said, I don't believe in the Suns. I think they're going to choke. And sure enough, the Suns lose by 30 plus in their game seven against the Mavs. They choked. <laughs> They choked. It was, they, it was like, it was prophetic. Yep. And <laughs> you're right. He predicted a choke and the Suns lose game seven Celtics advance in his short time in the NBA. He's already learned a few things or two about predicting how things are going in the postseason. Uh, but I did want to ask you about his time playing, um, playing in a, in this latest season. Um, we had mentioned on the podcast that he scored his first points on the road in New York. Uh, it was a home game against New York. Um, and he corrected us because he was telling us he had to fly into Washington. Um, but I want to ask you about his first game playing. It's the Philadelphia 76ers. He only gets nine minutes, but he goes over six from the field. He keeps shooting and he keeps trying to get that first bucket. What did you think about that in his first night? Well, I'm not sure if Jordan has learned a lot about the NBA or if just life in general, because I think the Kardashians struck again. And that's the reason why Phoenix didn't do their thing. Right. I mean, Kanye West, uh, what has he done since, you know, right. Um, so, so I think that's coming up again. Um, but <laughs> you know, I, I thought it, I thought it was just exactly what elite athletes are able to do. And that's the wrong term because he's at a different level now. He's, he's always been an elite athlete. I mean, you're a D one athlete, you're an elite athlete period but there's what 450 some odd players who are in the NBA mm -hmm. and it's the ones who are able to fight the battle against themselves and do what Jordan Shackle did. And on the first night that you've been dreaming your whole life of being in the NBA, like I guarantee you, everybody listening to this podcast did at one point in their lives, he's actually there and he goes oh for six. And he says, you know what? I was proud that I wasn't 0 for 2 when I stopped shooting. And that is honestly all throughout in every area of life. Um, usually the difference between people who are really successful and people who aren't, they just don't have the filter that makes them stop. And whether that means that they, you know, they had to psychologically talk them through themselves through it um, or they're just wired that way. So I thought that was a very, very impressive answer. And I think for, for, any endeavor that any of us are involved in um, it's going to take that kind of a failure to be able to then go from the 10 day contract. And I'm, I'm sure he was, he was super uh, expectant to get the, get the next contract. And it took the whole year, the whole rest of the, the season with the go-go, but he was rewarded. So I, I think that that is just, um, it's wildly impressive. It's wildly okay. impressive to be able to, to, to say that, and to, to be there in that moment to say it wasn't too big for me, I, I just missed some shots. And Jordan Shackle's going to make his shots. Like that's Absolutely. something that's going to happen. And we know that from the outside, but it's way easier for us to say with no pressure. Yep. Yep. Yeah. A uh, couple of things I want to hit on there. Um, one, I mean, the, that 10 day contract, it must just the pressure. He said he was nervous, but you had to feel so much pressure when you have a 10 day contract where it's just such a prove it deal. You got to just, you got to go earn it. And if you're just having a cold shooting night that, that night, uh, 
you're probably you're going to get sent back down. And I believe the rules you get 10 days, or you can play three games. It might be four. Um, he ended up only playing two games in that stint um, and he didn't score in it. But as he said to the scout team in the off, uh, his advice for the offseason was you need the coaches away from you. Um, you need to get better from your mistakes. You need to see your mistakes in order to improve upon them, which is just a tremendous life lesson. Um, and sure enough, Shackle says Shackle made some mistakes. He went 0 for 6 from the field. And then he said that uh, as the season went on and he got his chances in March at the end of the year, he said, I had improved in those couple months. Like I felt a lot better about my game. Um, and it's because you make mistakes, you try things. And he didn't go 0 for 2 from the field. He made sure to take four extra shots. And yeah, he said he was fouled on one of them, but um, <laughs> he still, he continued to shoot and shooters shoot and Shackle's going to continue to shoot. Um, and then final thing I want to mention is he clearly did miss San Diego. Uh, at San Diego is yeah. always going to be a home from him. I really hope he comes back to Viejas and uh, doesn't, I believe, chance sits courtside because he's an Aztec for life and the fans absolutely love him. Um, but I do want to segue into a, a related topic. So Shackle is one of four Aztecs in the NBA right now. Malachi Flynn, Kawhi I got Leonard. a little bit more. I got. No, I don't. I don't want to leave Shackle yet. Okay. okay. I don't want to leave Shackle yet. Um, I had to look it up because he was talking about how much more space there is on an NBA court versus a college court. And so I had to look it up. I was like, oh man, I didn't know that NBA courts are wider. They're not. <laughs> the, the space that he got was because they are able to create it because there's so much more skill around him. And, um, you know, I, I think going back to a conversation we had in the last podcast that we did, um, and talking about, you know, the, the need of a point guard to be able to create space for the shooters that are around him. Um, and he clearly said that, you know, that was lacking at San Diego state. Now, of course, the players who he's going to play with at San Diego state are not going to be the same level as maybe the people in the G league. Um, I think they say, you know, college basketball probably has um, some more high-end players than compared to the G league, but the overall talent is higher in, in, in the G league. And, um, and so I just thought that, 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 you know, it, it just shows that it really fits his game. The NBA game fits his game. He is able to be a shooter. Um, I thought it was good that he's talking about being able to finish because you can't be one dimensional. And, um, and so just those improvements, I think, I think are good. And um, I think overall, the, the thing that, you know, is just interesting to me, having done some interviews, you know, we obviously talked to Matt Mitchell um, in December and just the different pathways that people take to be able to, to go and pursue their dreams. Um, and so then segueing, segueing, got a word? Segueing. Segway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I added, I added some sort of like dog wagging. Um, segueing into the, this idea of saying, okay, so then who are the NBA players that are on the current roster? So what do you got? Well, I'm, I'm giving you three. I think they're but definitely potential. Three. Well, right. I'm gonna, we're going to discuss both. We're, okay. But I think there's potential for more than three. Um, but I think these are the immediate three that um, pass the eye test or um, make the most sense. So we'll start with Nathan Mensah. Uh, right now, Nathan has declared for the draft. Um, and he's, well, he hasn't declared, but he's potentially in the draft portal. And he has to, I believe, till June 1st to make his decision or not to come back to school. Um, so he's the Aztec on the team right now who has the best chance to go to the NBA because he's right there. 
Um, so you tell me, and then I'll, I'll go off as well, what he needs to do to make the NBA, um, and can he do it? Well, I think the first thing with all any of the other people that you bring up, I think that one thing that's important to be able to see is that the NBA and all basketball might be positionless as an idea. However, that usually doesn't apply to the role players around the stars. So it's great for, you know, LeBron can be a point guard and he can also play power forward and he can play center at times, positionless basketball. But the players around him have to fit a certain role. And for somebody just trying to break into the league, 75% of that is you got to be able to shoot. And if you can't shoot, you have to be able to rebound. And so I would say the the thing that Nathan needs to be able to do is he needs to show a little bit more explosiveness, a little bit more quick twitch kind of movements to be able to get more rebounds. Um, he, he, he should be, you know, he needs to be a double digit kind of guy without losing some of that defensive prowess. I, I don't necessarily think, I think there's a, there's a plenty of examples of players around the league who don't bring much to the offensive side of it. And, you know, I think Nathan can um, absolutely over time, I think he could develop, you know, a jumper. I think he could, those things can be there, but that's not going to be his calling card. And the team is not going to be drafting him with the expectation that he's going to come in and he's going to put his back to the basket and he's going to do his post moves and they're going to figure it out from there. So I think that, that his clearest path is to fit the role of a defensive player, whether that's at the power forward or whether that is at the center position and maybe kind of interchangeably there, give some minutes off the bench, be able to, you know, have some cleanup mop up kind of points um, and then go from there. But I think shackle compared to like, let's say Matt Mitchell um, or even somebody like um, Jamal Franklin, guys who were great college players, but don't have that prototypical height, don't have the prototypical exact, like where are you going to play exactly in the, I mean, Jimmer Fredette, same exact idea. Who was he going to guard those, mm-hmm. those kind of ideas. And um, I think Mensa is of all the people on the roster, he's the closest to you. You can see like where he could fit yep. and, yep. and you, you could put him as a backup center probably tomorrow. And he could give meaningful minutes as he grows into his game at that level. Agreed. Um, I think the other thing is to make it in the NBA, you need a skill set in your game. You need one particular trait um, that really makes you stand out. And a guy like Shackle is the shooting, and a guy like Mensa is the defense. And he can rely on defense as that calling card to make it. Um, it's just different. It's it's difficult at center right now as the NBA continues to evolve. So many centers now can shoot threes and Mensa's is not going to be that he's not going to be a three point shooter. He might maybe develop a mid mid range jumper, but even then the NBA is not calling for mid range jumpers from their centers right now. Um, so he has to continue to grow inside the paint, um, find a paint, find post moves, grow there. Um, and I think another season of state will give him that potential. Um, but I love what you said. He has to be a, 
a double digit rebounder. It has to be consistent. He has to be a dominant force on the offensive glass, defensive glass. Um, I mean, because you're right. You look at certain players such as JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee does not give you a whole lot of offense, but he gives you explosiveness on the defensive end. He blocks shots. Um, he's athletic. And I think Nathan Mensah can be very similar to that. I also, I think he could be similar to a guy like Rudy Gobert, who's one of the best centers in the league, who he cannot shoot from the outside. But Rudy Gobert averages 15 points and 15 rebounds a game. And Mensa has to get to that level. And we, we've we seen that he's not he's not a 15-point scorer on a consistent basis, and he's not a 15-rebound uh, guy. I mean, he'll, he had his fair share of 10-plus 10, 10 board games. Um, but he's going to have to grow as a rebounder um, because – I do believe that getting his defensive numbers, he can guard in the NBA. He will survive there, but he's going to have to continue to evolve either as an inside scorer, um, but certainly as a rebounder, because that feels like that's the closest and the easiest for him. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't, I don't think that the comparisons that you gave um, maybe McGee a little bit, but again, that goes back to that athleticism. I don't think you see that same explosiveness from Mensa yet, um, but asking him to be Gobert, I think is just not fair. Um, ooh, that was poetic. That rhymed. Um, <laughs> you know, I just, he, we, we wouldn't be talking about uh, like, is he going to come out? Is he going to come out if he could be Rudy Gobert? I mean, he'd be out. Um, so I, I think that, you know, defensively, um, defensively, it's, it's interesting because some of those centers are gigantic as well. And, and so, you know, I think, I think honestly, he profiles more as a power forward than he does as a center at the next level, just in terms of straight size. But what he does have going for him is the NBA does force tons of screens. It forces a lot of movement on the perimeter and there's not a better big man guarding different players of different sizes out on the perimeter than Nathan Mensa. his instincts, his ability to get his hands on the ball his, his, his um, to make everybody around him better. He, he, he possesses that, um, you know, obviously if it was a slam dunk that he could be in the NBA, I think, I think it would already be done. I mean, he clearly wants to, um, and, you know, I'm not sure what information he's going to be getting between now and then, or what exactly that he's, he's even looking for. Um, but that's what I think he needs to do, be able to, to provide, you know, seven, 10 minutes a night, and then try to develop additional skill set down the road. Yep. Uh, so one final question, then we're going to move on to Matt Bradley. Um, you would agree he needs another year next year at SDSU? No. Interesting. I mean, San Diego State becomes a top 15 team if he returns. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be as like, he is the best player on the Aztecs. There's a reason why this is Nathan Mensa having this conversation then then about trying to maybe go to the NBA, what is he going to do? And it's not Matt Bradley. There's a reason Bradley, like right after the season said, okay, I'm coming back Um, because they're just on different planes in the, in the way that they would work. I I don't necessarily know that, um, that anything that we just named that he's a hundred percent sure that he's going to be better at San Diego state than he is being in the G league or doing something like that. I I don't know that Um, if we're just talking about getting ready for the NBA, um, I don't think, I don't see how it would hurt him. Um, I, I think that the opportunity to get seen um, being a national team and having more eyeballs looking at him 
and having that publicity surrounding him, I think that can help him. Um, but does he need to? I don't know. And I don't know that he, his game is going to be like, I don't know that what, what, what is there left for him to do at San Diego state that he hasn't already done? Um, if he, if he's going to become a 15 point score at San Diego state, that's awesome. But I still don't know that that necessarily translates to the NBA and that's what he needs to do. Um, but yeah, can he show that he can be more athletic? Absolutely. And um, you know, it, as we've seen the training staff at San Diego state, as good a chance of getting him there as any NBA one. Um, so there's definitely positives, but to say that like, absolutely, it's a slam dunk that this is the best path for him to be able to get to the NBA. I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily true. Um, and I think that's why they're still having that conversation because what, what does he have left to do against mountain West centers that he hasn't already done? He's the well, best, you know what I mean? I, so I, yeah. I, I really can't answer that question definitively. Yep, um, yep. Will it make the team way more fun to cover? Absolutely. <laughs> Are they going to be way more exciting? Yep. Is um, Nathan Mensa a terrific Aztec and a pride of the university and all of us alumni, you know, hang your hat on the kind of person that he is? Absolutely. Um, does he need it necessarily to get to the NBA? I can't honestly say yes. Good point. Good point. All right. So let's segue into Matt Bradley. Um, you, I think, might have some interesting points because considering I mean, you always have interesting points, but uh, <laughs> and just the way you said um, that Mensa immediately had the idea of he wanted to test his luck and Bradley didn't. Bradley knew he was coming back. Um, I thought Bradley was going to at least test the portal, see the combine, see, see what cap coaches would have to say, um, because something that you mentioned earlier is that players around the star player have to play a role for positionless basketball. And I think it's difficult in Bradley's case because, and we've hit on this in a prior podcast, he was playing the three, he was playing forward position all season and he fits best at the two. And I think testing his waters at the combine or in front of coaches and him as a shooting guard, um, his potential becomes a lot higher. He's not going to make the NBA at the three position. He's just too short at six, four. Um, but at the two, I absolutely think he could. Um, I think he is an incredible scorer. Um, his ability to create a shot in isolation is I, – I haven't seen many Aztecs that are similar to him. Um, he has the skill set of, like, James Harden. I mean, James Harden's step-back move and crossover move. I mean, Bradley possesses those qualities. Um, so, as a scorer, I don't know how much more he needs to grow. Um, but I do think I would love to see him more at the two position. Um, and that – I don't, that's not really Bradley's choice. That's a Dutcher and coaching staff decision. But I think in order to make the NBA and to get to that next step, he has to be more comfortable playing the shooting guard role. Um, I think he needs to be still become a better playmaker. Um, I think another year under his belt in the SDSU system will be great. Uh, we saw last year, it took him a good 10 games to get it going. And it took him a good 20 games to realize, okay, I need to start passing too. Um, I think now, being a whole year with the program, this will be a different year for him as a playmaker, as a passer, um, because we know he could score and we know his ability there. But still, I would like to see a little bit more as a passer, as getting his teammates involved, um, because isolation basketball only goes so far in front of NBA coaches eyes. Uh, you got to make your teammates better along with you. And I think he definitely showed um, 
he showed that quality that he has playmaking ability as the year went on. He had his four or five assist games. Um, and that's when I thought the Aztecs were rolling at their best. Um, when the team was getting more involved, it wasn't just the Bradley show. You'd have got games where Chad Baker's putting up 15 because two defenders are on Bradley. Let's get put the focus on another guy. And Bradley may not get the stats, but in the NBA coach's eyes, that makes Bradley look good when he's getting his teammates involved. Um, so that's my thoughts. What, what do you think on Bradley? Well, I want to touch a little bit on that James Harden question. Yeah. Um, how many players get to have the ball in their hands for 20 of the 24 seconds and bob and weave in the NBA? James Harden. Yeah. He's the only guy like that. Yep. So I don't know necessarily that that's a good comparison. Like, don't get me wrong. If he can be as good as James Harden, hey, that's awesome. But to have a game like James Harden, I don't necessarily know that there's a lot of uh, NBA teams, including Philadelphia, who's pining for a James Harden's kind of game. You know what I mean? Like, yep, yep, um, they, 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 it's just it's it's a different thing. So, um, you know, I, I think we're talking about his, his NBA potential. I, I think that his NBA potential is the same one that Jordan Shackles has. I think he needs to show that he's a has tremendous range at the three, uh, not the three position, but for the three ball. Um, and so I think that's, that's a really important, um, part of the game that it'll be interesting to see if he's going to get to practice. I think he got to do that a little bit at Cal and, and shoot from every level. Um, you didn't really see that at San Diego state too much. And this is where, you know, Butler, Trammell, um, maybe having the keys will do something that maybe Tripoleum was unable to do, um, with, with, you know, finding like Jordan Jackal, he's, you know, or being able to, to find Bradley. The, the other thing I think that's really important um, about his game that you didn't hit on um, is that end of the game, he was subbed out defensively. And if you can't guard in college and you're not one of your team's five best people guarding at the end of games, um, I'm not necessarily sure that that bodes well for you being able to guard people in the NBA. So there were, there was, there were plenty of times where they're going to bring in Adam Seiko because they need a guy who's going to be a little bit better on defense. And then when they go back to offense, they switch them back and forth. Um, and so just shoring up that, that side of the game, um, you know, I remember speaking of Adam Seiko, you know, writing an article about him last year and, and um, talking to one of his coaches on from the Uganda national team and he just waxed eloquently about the, the system that San Diego state runs and that they run a pro style defense and that Seiko knows every single type of ins and outs of how a NBA team runs, um, runs their defensive systems. And so being able to, to have that all down and to be there, I think is really going to be helpful for Bradley's chances to, to make it into the NBA. Um, and then the last thing that you talked about, he did have too many turnovers. Um, it, you know, it, it's one thing to have a bad shot. And I don't, I don't necessarily know that Matt Bradley has too many bad shots. Like he's like James Harden, where you feel good kind of anything that he decides to throw up because he's just good. Um, so I don't know that, that, so it's like, you know, just don't give the other team the ball. Don't throw it out of bounds. Don't, you know, and so he had, he had too many turnovers. Um, so there's a really good chance with um, the pieces that they've added around them and the, the maturity of the people who are already in the program that he could have, you know, less points, same assist, 
less turnovers and be way better at basketball than what he was a year ago. And I think um, showing that he can first be somebody who can play without the ball in his hands, I think would then down the road, allow him to be able to get into his bag and show some of the stuff that, that he kind of is forced to, I don't necessarily even know that they want to play where he's 10 dribbles, but that's just, that was, that was their first best option, second best option and third best option last year. And, and, you know, they kind of were forced to be able to go and do it. Yeah. And he's not going to be able to just go to the NBA and be a ball dominant player. He's not going to just have a a huge role right off the bat. He's going to have to learn to how can he play and help his team when he's only playing 10 minutes a game or less than 10 minutes a game and really earning that role. And that's where you're going to need to see more of him being a spot up shooter and playing off ball. And you're right. I would like to see him more plays designed for him, such a shackle where he's going around a screen and pulling up for a three uh, and he's getting off of, off a of pass because I mean, last season, he just didn't have that opportunity and going to this season. I still don't know how, how much his role is really going to change. Um, especially the way we've discussed Tramel, um, that I don't know how much that's really going to open the offense where we still might see a very similar offense this season um, where Bradley is still very ball dominant and he's still going to have his stats and he will improve in his facets in, in the game. But how much will that really help his NBA stock? We will find out. Um, one other thing that should be noted, um, he has to improve. Uh, late game situations. I mean, that, that doesn't really need to be stated, but the free throws and the shots that he missed at the end of games, um, it it was a problem. And if you are going to be the best player on our team, on the, on the STSU team, um, you are going to need to um, hit, hit your late game free throws. You're going to have to win the game for the team. And he, he struggled at that in multiple games last season. And it led to the final loss against Creighton. It led to a loss against Boise State in the Mountain West Championship. And obviously those moments are not the reason why they lost the game. But as the star player, as the best player in the team, those things have to change. And those shots have to fall. And NBA teams see that. And if you are going to be, make it to the next level, um, you see it now. Guys are missing free throws at the end of games and they lead to finals losses. Um, no matter the role, you have to be able to perform under pressure when the lights are at its brightest. And I think with another offseason, he said at the end of the Boise game, um, might have been Creighton, he's gonna, he needs to do some soul searching this offseason, which I would, I'd love to hear what that means. Um, but hoping for him and his mental, uh, the game that it, it, he's improved and for next season. Um, do, anything else you wanna add or do you wanna segue to a, a third Aztec player? No, no. I mean, I, I, you know, I honestly, um, obviously free throws are, are a little bit different and things like that. I, I honestly don't hang too much, um, on those late game situations. Um, obviously you, you want to hit them, um, and you want those to fall, but you know, Jordan has a very small percentage of those that actually go in. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's not, it's, um, you know, if you want to start ranking your best players of all time, um, the only reason LeBron isn't the clear cut number one player of all time is because he doesn't have that closing gene that Kobe had. He doesn't have that closing gene that Jordan had. And he's not bad at it. He's just, is not at the elite elite level. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the thing that I uh, like to do about amateur athletes is I think sometimes 
you know, we have, we, we kind of treat them a little bit like they're robots and we treat them like they're on 2k or something like that, where you're just, you just see the deficiencies and you want to see them improve and you don't appreciate them for what they are. And for him to be able to come in and completely shoulder the offensive load and be good. I mean, he would have two, three guys on him at all times. Um, I mean, so many eyeballs around him, daring anybody else. And he wasn't comfortable. You could see that that was not his game. He, he, he just, he wasn't ready for that. Um, but that's what his team needed. And I think he stepped up in a really big way. And there's no way that, you know, the Aztecs would have had anywhere near as successful of a season um, getting in a large bid to the NCAA tournament. You know, that's not easy to do. Not a lot of teams do it. I know San Diego state has a good history of, of making the tourney, but you know, so I, I think that I don't, I don't know what his NBA things are, but I, I think that next year he has a chance to, you know, do what you would have hoped a guy like Josh Davis would have done. And, and um, Terrell Gomez, who only had one year. And if you're able to get an extra year to, to really get to know his personality, to get to know who he is as a person, to get to just know, you know, what it's like to be there at a game in front of Viejas again, um, he can be a great Aztec. And so I think that's exciting to, to get to, to watch that unfold. And, um, you know, if he's able to, get in the gym and figure out how to go to that next NBA level. It'll be fun to watch him in the league too. Well said, really well said everything. Uh, I did just, I follow him on Instagram and I, I saw him benching 315 pounds. Um, incredible. I mean, he's freakishly big. Um, yeah. and, I mean, he's a, he's a, one of the most unique Aztecs uh, in Aztec history, but another unique Aztec uh, I'd like, I'd like to bring up next is Kashad Johnson. Um, his body type, he, I mean, he's a unicorn. I mean, he is freakishly athletic. Um, his potential is so high on this team just because of how he's built. Um, and you've mentioned, I believe on a prior podcast that you'd like to see him at the three. Um, and I, I, that's what Kawhi did when he went to the NBA and that's when, when his game evolved the most. And I agree with you. And I think he, in order to get to that next level, he has to learn to play at the three. Um, but I do think there's certain things he has to really improve upon in order to get to that. Uh, one is definitely ball handling, uh, the ability to drive to the basket and score, score a bucket from the wing. Um, that's something we haven't really seen uh, from him. And I think he absolutely has that potential. Um, his three ball also will need to improve. I, I can't believe he shot 19% from three last season. Um, but at the same time, it improved as the season went on. I um, mean, he started like 0 for 22, I believe was the stat, um, or 1 for 22. Um, so in order to play at the wing, those traits are going to have to get better. He's going to have to be a better three-point shooter. He has to at least be over 30%. Um, and he has to be uh, able to drive to the basket, um, You being a ball handler, maybe being a playmaker as well, but now you're just asking for a lot. Um, I just – I see a lot of potential in him. And I think we've seen Aztec teams in the past have certain players like Malik Pope, Zylan Cheatham, where they have all this athleticism, all this potential. And it's not that it goes to waste. It's that it just doesn't quite develop. And by 
the end of senior year, it's like, you just, you still feel like you're needing something and something's missing from them. And I've seen, I feel like we've seen Kashad improve every single year. Um, I think this is a very big year for him. Um, but I still, there's still more. Okay? We, as we, I know we're treat. you just said our best with Bradley, but we're treating him like robots and we're, uh, we're wanting more. We're expecting more because we do. I do believe he can evolve um, because I, I see the potential on him. Um, so you tell me your thoughts on Kashad Johnson. Well, yeah, you, you are treating him like he's in 2K. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, 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 and he's gotten 2K treatment yeah. um, since he's been on campus. And yep. Yep. Um, we, we've alluded to the conversation, and, and I was guilty of it, you know, bringing that question up to Dave Velasquez saying, hey, man, people with this kind of hype, they often transfer. He, he didn't. Why is he going to be rewarded? And, and Dave basically shot back like, because he didn't listen to the people who didn't know what they were talking about. He's been in the room. He's going to trust the process. He's going to do that. So I think that part of the fact that he's one of your three that you're asking about NBA potential is because the other, you know, there'd be things written about him or other people say, wow, this guy's got NBA potential. Um, So that said, I don't necessarily know that he needs to be, um, a prototypical small forward in order for San Diego state to be successful next year. Um, if, if Bradley can take any pressure off of the ball handlers, whoever that person is at the one, um, there, there you go. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't need, you don't need, um, necessarily him bringing up the ball. He'd only need to do that a little bit in, in kind of little different situations. Um, Jaden Ledee, is talked about as being as having some of that skill as well. And so if he can chip in a little bit and, you know, kind of take a little bit of that, um, I don't necessarily even think he needs to be a guy who's going to take people off the dribble and go and score and pull up. I don't even think that that's what they need from him. I think what they need from him is they need all of the six, four players who are guarding him to have no ability whatsoever to keep him off the offensive and defensive glass. And if he can, if he can just be a menace on the boards because he's he's finally a mismatch, um, that could be all the offense you need. And then if you get anything extra, you're like happy with it. Um, I do think that that you know, um, in some of the positionless basketball, if Jaden Ladee does have a jump shot and he's able to be a little bit of that, they can they can kind of move around a little bit, and 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 um, some of the maybe deficiencies in Kashad's game can be there. Um, that said, I think that his, his growth as a defender is what is going to get him into the league. Um, you know, Kawhi Leonard was drafted, you know, 15th overall, I believe it was. And he was drafted because all of the San Antonio Spurs, all of their Hall of Famers had gotten old and they had no one who could guard anybody who was the athletic small forwards that you know, are the invoke thing in the NBA and have been since, you know, LeBron did his thing and even before. And um, he can, he, he, he can, he, he can't, no one can, no one can guard any of those players. But if you have somebody who can jump out of the gym, can test, who's strong, who's athletic, who can at least be athletic with those guys, there's a place for him on an NBA roster. I mean, you're going to, you know, there, there just is, um, you need guys like that. And so I think that 
in many routes, because he going back to the full conversation with Shackle, because there is a very clear role for him to fill as that, you know, person who can, um, who can guard and guard the best player. Um, I think it is really important. And then I think, you know, going back to what you were saying, the other part of that D though, is three it's to be a three and D player. You, you, you just have to be able to sit in the corner and you just have to keep a person next to you. So that way the guys who actually have the ball in their hands don't have to deal with an extra defender. Like that's literally all that they would ask him to do. That's all Kawhi did at the very beginning of his career. And then he got hustle plays, you know? Um, and so I think that, that there is a clear niche for him to do that. If he can, again, shoot that corner three and, and that's, I think, you know, I don't know necessarily, like I said, I don't know that he needs to be dynamic with the ball in his hand. I don't know that he needs to develop a post move. I don't know that he needs to develop. He can get three or four putbacks a night. He can get into a passing lane. He can get on a fast break and he can hit a corner three and he becomes one of the hardest players to guard in the NCAA. Yep. Yep. I'm uh, happy you you hit on a lot of Kashad's positive qualities there. I was going the robotic route, things he could improve upon. Um, so one other thing I wanted to add. Um, so he's a senior next year. And I, I just thought it was interesting what you added, where I, I agree that the playmaking, being able to drive inside on this year's Aztec team, no, I do not think he needs to do that. And I think having guys such as Matt Bradley and Ladee um, around him, he doesn't, he doesn't have to do as much. Um, but and that's where his strong suits can definitely show where he becomes an incredible rebounder and he's showing off his athleticism. Um, but I will say he does have his extra year of COVID eligibility. Um, and I'm just thinking, speaking out loud for the future here. Um, if he was to return for a fifth year, this Aztec team, granted, we, no one knows what's going to happen with transfers, but there will be no Bradley. There will be no Ladie. Mensa will be gone. There will be a lot of guys gone where. No, the uh, is two years, I believe. Okay, okay. Well, still, Bradley, like a lot of a lot of pieces will be gone. Um, so all, all I'm saying is, this this Kashad could have a his team in two years, um, and I think we could see the most growth from him then. Um, granted, he's a senior, and he's probably he's going into this year thinking this is his final year, and I do think that this is a big year for him. We've already heard Shackles. Uh, mentioned how the off season that Kashad's having and he sees the growth already. Um, and I think this will be a big growing year from Kashad. Um, but speaking out loud and towards the future and towards the NBA, I believe if he was to come back in two years, uh, the NBA potential grows exponentially because I think um, he could really develop as a player or at the same time, um, senior year ends. Um, he sees he's losing all, all, all these players around him. And he doesn't want that role. And he wants the role that you're talking about where he's the defender. He's the uh, using athleticism and, and he's rebounding. And I see that as a place for him in the NBA as well. Um, my only argument is I do think there's just qualities on offense that still need to be improved upon a little bit. If he's going to play the three position, um, you hit it on the three ball particularly. Um, but I would love to see a little more ability to dribble, drive it inside, um, and be a little more just aggressive with the ball because we've seen in fast break. And when there's 
Um, when there's no defender in front of him, we know what's happening. We know a dunk's coming down. But when there's a defender in front of him and he has to maybe beat the guy at the, the center at the rim, if he can grow that kind of ability in his game, I, the, I, the, 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 Michael Jordan's quote is the ceiling's the roof. I mean, he, he has the, so much potential. Um, so um, that's all I'll say. What do you want to add to that? Nothing. I mean, I, I think it's there. And I think the, the, the point that I was trying to make about not necessarily needing to add tremendous ball handling this year or not necessarily being able to have those moves, those moves is to say that he can still be on the perimeter mm-hmm. provided. Cause I mean, it's the same kind of thing. It, it just depends, I guess, how you, uh, how you want to attack things. I mean, if, if you feel like, if you feel like he is not a good enough three point shooter, and the def- defense is able to peel off of him to go play other people. Who's boxing him out? True. Nobody. Yep. Yep. You're going to unleash Deshaun <laughs> Johnson with nobody on him coming from the wing, crashing down. No, you're not. Just to put a body on him, you're going to stay home. And he hasn't hit a three yet. And now he has backdoor cuts. He has all the things. And... You know, he may not have tremendous post moves when he's playing a 6'9 guy, but if he's playing a 6'4 guy who's at the three or they run a screen and now he's on a smaller guy, suddenly you he can rise up and he can just bully him. And so I think that, that that's why he can play on the wing, not so much that he's going to be able to go and see that he's going to be, I mean, I, I, I don't have it in front of me, but Kawhi's three-point shooting wasn't great at state. And now he's one of the best three-point shooting people who's ever walked the planet Earth. So the, the, the growth in the game has to come after they leave state. And I'm just saying that, like, he can exist on the wing as is. He can already exist on the wing, in my estimation. And having an offseason where he's preparing to be on the wing and he's preparing to fit the role that the NBA is going to ask of him. The NBA, as, as, as you know, he started 30 games and all this stuff. The NBA is not going to ask him to play the small or the power forward. That's just not what he's going to do. And, but, but they're going to ask him to go, if it, you know, go be athletic, go get offensive rebounds. And in the NBA, he is going to have to shoot because the answer to who would be able to do that, they have way bigger centers. So they, they, they can protect the glass that way, but even there, he's a threat. Um, and you know, I'm starting to think of some of those finals where Kawhi's coming from the wing and nobody picks him up because they, they want to go on to Ginobili or Parker and he's bringing down the whole, the house just because of the thing, because there's nobody there. That's the kind of game he could have. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, that, 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 that is what I'm trying to say. And I don't necessarily think that you have to see this vast improvement provided provided the Aztecs can take care of the ball with pressure because if they can't against pressure, bring up the ball, they're going to need a third ball handler. Mm-hmm. And then that's where all of a sudden this whole idea, you, you're going to, he's going to need to perform in that area as well. So Good having point. a veteran, couple of veteran point guards, um, a, a person like Bradley being able to bring up the ball and pressure and allow them to get into their sets and do all of that. And, 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 and I think you can unleash Kashad. I, I think you can unleash him and right now, right now, like, I don't, I don't know that he needs to do anything else. And, um, and coming full circle on the question, 
I think that is his best way of getting into the NBA. So he should be trying to do all the other things that we're naming because that is his long-term to reaching all the dreams of, of not just getting to the NBA, but staying there and starting and, and being a player there and, you know, being able to dip into his bag and all, all the things that come later. And so he, he, you know, I'm assuming he's there working out, shooting a hundred threes from every spot on the court, you know, and doing all those yep. things that are, that, cause he's such a hard worker. Yep. So I'm assuming all the things are happening, but I, I, I personally think that, that tomorrow he could, he could jump in for the Aztecs and be the small forward and, and have good things and have bad things. And, you know, but the Aztecs could, could definitely utilize a lot of the positives. I agree. Um, the, all this conversation just, it's gotten me excited to a see the lineups um, that, that are created this season, but also just the potential of this team. I mean, we just hit on three players who could possibly be in the NBA and we didn't even mention Jane Ledee and how special he sounds and Lamont Butler and the potential that he has. And it's going to be a fun upcoming season. Let's we'll say that. Um, now only two of those guys right now are definitely on the team. Just good points, you know, just good you know. point. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. We'll find yeah. out uh, a Mensa update, hopefully within two weeks or so. Uh, that will definitely will have that discussion on this podcast. Uh, yeah, most definitely in two weeks because it's only it's yeah. halfway through halfway through May. Yep. But I mean, yep. from all all reports, it seems like it should be any day now. Yep. Uh, as far as that though, that is the end of this podcast. Uh, had a good conversation here about three players, and then obviously an incredible conversation of Jordan Shackle. Um, please leave a like, rate, review, subscribe, uh, give us a comment. Um, tweeted us uh check out at east village, uh, east village times it's at evt underscore news um on twitter check out my twitter at underscore a tark paul's twitter at padre de quattro uh send us a tweet uh we're here to help aztec nation communicate with you guys talk aztec sports but at the same time we're providing informative articles we're providing informative content and stuff that hasn't really been heard before uh we got a great interview here with jordan shackle and i think Three, uh, some educated opinions on the three players, Matt Bradley, Kashad, and uh, Nathan Mensa. Um, but as far as that, thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it as always. And um, go Aztecs.